Welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman, and this morning I'm joined by Linda Carlisle. It's Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. In this episode, we will talk about NASA's potential discovery of signs of life on a faraway planet, the ongoing monopoly trial of tech giants like Google and Facebook, the prisoner exchange and asset release between Iran and the United States, the tightening oil market due to output cuts by Saudi Arabia and Russia, and a new book shedding light on the experiences of America's first women astronauts. Story number one. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope may have detected a molecule called dimethyl sulfide, DMS, on a faraway planet, potentially indicating signs of life, as reported by the BBC. DMS is only produced by life on Earth. The planet, named K218b, is 120 light-years away, and further data is needed to confirm the presence of DMS. Methane and CO2 have also been detected in the planet's atmosphere, suggesting the possibility of a water ocean. Researchers are cautious about the findings, but if confirmed, it would be a significant discovery in the search for extraterrestrial life. The planet is nearly nine times the size of Earth and belongs to a type of planet called sub-Neptunes, which are common in the galaxy but not found in our solar system. Did you hear about this, Linda? The James Webb Space Telescope possibly detecting a molecule called dimethyl sulfide, or DMS, on a far-off planet named K218b. Now, on Earth, this molecule is only produced by life forms, so this could be a tantalizing hint of extraterrestrial life. Yes, Mark, I did. It's a fascinating discovery, to say the least. But we must remember that the researchers leading this study have themselves said that the detection is not robust. They're going to need more data to confirm these findings. It reminds me of the phosphine detection in Venus's clouds back in 2020, which was later disputed. Skepticism is a healthy part of science, especially when we're dealing with something as huge as potential signs of alien life. The process they're using here, splitting the light that passes through the planet's atmosphere into its constituent frequencies, it's like creating a rainbow spectrum to figure out the composition of the planet's atmosphere. Yes, Mark. The science behind these discoveries is truly amazing. But it's also a testament to how challenging this kind of research can be. We're talking about analyzing tiny specks of light from a planet that's more than 1.1 million billion kilometers away. And yet, these scientists are finding potential signs of life. Right you are, Linda. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack, but on a cosmic scale. And what's even more exciting is that this planet, K218b, is not like the Earth-like rocky planets we usually look at for signs of life. It's nearly nine times the size of Earth. They're calling these types of planets sub-Neptunes, which are actually the most common type of planet in the galaxy. That's an important point, Mark. It opens up a whole new area for exploration in our quest for extraterrestrial life. Life, as we understand it, is incredibly diverse and complex. If life can exist in conditions that are unlike anything we have in our solar system, it broadens our understanding of what life can be. It's a humbling reminder of how much we still have to learn about the universe. Story number two. The United States is currently holding its first monopoly trial of the modern internet era, focusing on the immense influence that tech companies like Google, Apple, Amazon, and Meta, owner of Facebook and Instagram, have over various aspects of people's lives. According to the New York Times, the trial's outcome, which may not be determined until next year, could have significant consequences potentially slowing down the growth of these internet giants and forcing them to change their business practices. Google, in particular, 
faces high stakes as it could be required to restructure itself, leading to fewer users, reduced profits, and limitations on innovation. Rivals have accused Google of using its dominant position in search to suppress competitors' links while promoting its own content. The Justice Department's lawsuit against Google in 2020 marked a shift in the government's antitrust strategy towards scrutinizing the core businesses of big tech companies. Monopoly trials have the power to reshape industries, as seen with the breakup of AT&T in 1984. The impact of the government's antitrust case against Microsoft in the early 2000s was more ambiguous, with some arguing that it did little to increase competition, while others believed it made the company more cautious, allowing new players like Google to emerge. Will you look at this, Linda? We're witnessing history in the making. This Google monopoly trial could potentially shake the tech industry to its core. You remember the AT&T trial, right? It transformed the telecommunications industry by making it more competitive. The same could happen here. But it's interesting to note, isn't it, how the effects of such trials can be unpredictable. The Microsoft trial from the early 2000s, for instance, did not have a clear-cut result. Some argue that it did little to increase competition, while others believe it made Microsoft more cautious and paved the way for startups like Google. True, true. But you know, the thing is, these tech giants like Google, they've grown so big and so influential, it's hard to imagine what the landscape would look like if they were to be broken up. I mean, Google owns 90% of the search engine market in the U.S. and 91% globally. That's, that's huge. And that's exactly why some are concerned. This immense market dominance, it stifles competition. Smaller businesses, they struggle to compete. But on the flip side, there are those who worry that these trials could potentially stifle innovation. It's a complex issue with no straightforward solutions. No doubt about it, Linda. I reckon the outcomes of these trials will shape how we view and deal with monopolies in the tech industry. It's not just about promoting competition, but also about ensuring a fair deal for consumers. In the end, they're the ones who stand to gain or lose, depending on the outcome. And that's a critical point, Mark. The consumer experience, it's at the heart of this issue. And as we move forward, these trials and the precedents they set could redefine the future of tech companies and our digital ecosystem. It's a fascinating, albeit challenging, time in the tech world. Story number three. According to Al Jazeera, Iran and the United States are set to exchange prisoners and release frozen assets as part of a deal reached in August. Five U.S. prisoners held in Iran will be exchanged for five Iranians held by the U.S., and Iran will gain access to approximately $6 billion of its frozen assets. Four of the American prisoners have already been released from prison and moved to house arrest. The identities of the prisoners involved in the exchange have been revealed, including Siamak Namazi, Imad Shargi, Morad Tabaz, and two others whose identities have not been disclosed. The deal also includes the release of billions of dollars of Iranian money that had been blocked in South Korea due to U.S. sanctions. The funds have been transferred to European banks and will be moved to Qatar for Iran to access. The prisoners are expected to be released after the money arrives in Qatar, and Iran confirms access to it. The agreement has faced criticism from opponents of the Biden administration, but officials emphasize that no U.S. money is being used for the exchange. Would you look at that, Linda? Iran and the U.S. are finally making some headway on this prisoner exchange deal. It's been a long time coming, hasn't it? The negotiations have been going on for years, and it's about time something positive came out of it. And it's not just about the prisoners. 
I think it's noteworthy that this deal also involves billions of dollars of Iran's assets that had been frozen abroad. It's a complex negotiation, isn't it? Balancing the delicate issue of human lives with financial concerns. Absolutely. It quote S dot 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 IT quote S a tough balance to strike. On one hand, we have the uh, the lives of these prisoners and on the other, there's a significant amount of money involved. But really, at the end of the day, it's a step towards restoring diplomatic relations between these two nations. And, you know, that's never a bad thing. Certainly, Mark. But let's not forget the criticisms coming from various factions, particularly the U.S. Republicans who question the Biden administration's decision to negotiate with Iran. It's not an easy situation, and it's bound to stir up some controversy, regardless of the outcome. You're right. It's a tricky, tricky situation. And it's not just about this deal. It also brings up questions about the future of Iran's nuclear deal with the world powers. The U.S. abandoned that deal in 2018, and it's been in limbo ever since. It quote S dot 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 IT quote S all interconnected, isn't it? It certainly is, Mark. And it's these intricate dynamics that make diplomatic negotiations so challenging. While we hope for a positive outcome, it's crucial to remember that these negotiations can have far-reaching implications on international relations. It's a delicate dance, that's for sure. Story number four. According to Reuters, the oil market is tightening as Saudi Arabia and Russia plan to reduce output in the coming months. This is indicated by the structure of the global Brent crude oil benchmark, which shows that prompt contracts are commanding premiums over those for later delivery. Oil prices reached a 10-month high after the announcement of the output cuts. However, concerns about global economic slowdowns may limit further price gains. If macroeconomic data from Europe or China improves, oil prices could reach $100 a barrel. The release of August U.S. Consumer Price Index data on Wednesday will be closely watched for insights into future interest rate moves. Do you see this, Linda? It's all about supply and demand. Saudi Arabia and Russia throttling output is tightening the oil market, pushing prices up. It's classic economics. When supply decreases and demand stays the same, prices rise. It's a simple yet powerful principle. And let's not forget to consider the ripple effects these decisions can have on a global scale. Higher oil prices could lead to inflation, affecting consumer prices and potentially interest rates in the United States. It's a tightly interconnected world we're living in. And let's not forget the impact on businesses, particularly those in transportation and manufacturing sectors. Higher fuel costs can eat into their profit margins, which could lead to layoffs or increased prices for consumers. It's a domino effect. I agree, Mark. We also need to think about the potential macroeconomic shifts in regions like Europe and China. If oil prices continue to rise, it could slow down their economic recovery, especially in an era where everyone's still grappling with the fallout of the pandemic. That's a great point, Linda. Now, the silver lining could be the push for alternative energy sources. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. High oil prices might just be the push we need to ramp up investment in renewable energy, which would be a win for the environment. Certainly, Mark. This situation also underscores the pivotal role of organizations like OPEC and how their decisions can shape global oil markets and thus global dynamics. It's a reminder of how interconnected our world truly is and how decisions made in one part of the world can impact us all. Story number five. 
In a report from CNN International, author Lauren Grush has released a book titled The Six, The Untold Stories of America's First Women Astronauts, which sheds light on the experiences of the first women astronauts in NASA's history. The book explores the challenges faced by these women, including the sexist questions they were asked and the pressure they endured. Grush highlights the lack of diversity in NASA prior to the 1970s, when a report criticized the agency for its lack of female representation. The book serves as a reminder of the struggles faced by women in the field and hopes to inspire future generations of female astronauts. It's amazing, Linda, how these pioneering women, Sally Ride and her peers, pushed through a wall of bias and antiquated stereotypes to make strides in space exploration. Reading about their experiences in Lauren Grush's new book really shines a light on the challenges they had to face, even from the media. It was a different time, but that doesn't excuse the fact that they were subjected to such condescending and dismissive treatment. It's hard not to feel a sense of indignation when reading about some of the questions they were asked. One cannot help but wonder whether such biases hindered the progress of space exploration. You're spot on, Linda. Bias in any form has a way of stifling potential and limiting progress. These women were highly skilled, accomplished individuals who had to contend with such nonsensical questions. It's a stark reminder of the kind of discrimination that has long permeated the STEM fields. And what's even more sad is that the discrimination wasn't just in the form of words. Ruth Bates Harris being fired for being a disruptive force, for example. It took a political blowback for her to be rehired. What message did that send to other women in the industry? It definitely sent the wrong message, Linda. But on the flip side, it also ignited a change. The very fact that we're now talking about sending the first woman to the lunar surface is a testament to how far we've come. But let's not forget, we still have a long way to go. That's true, Mark. While we've made great strides, the journey towards complete gender equality in STEM fields is far from over. It's important to highlight and celebrate the achievements of these pioneering women, but it's equally important to continue the conversation about inclusivity and diversity in these fields. Only then can we hope to eradicate such biases completely. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.